0: Hello and welcome to this vidcast, which is devoted to the acquisition of Juniper Networks by Hewlett Packard Enterprise, by HPE. First, let's start with a little bit of historical background. Once upon a time, in the 70s, in Palo Alto, there is a creation of the Palo Alto Research Center, but it comes from a little bit earlier, a few years before. A person invented a technology thanks to which you can replace a classical photocopier by dry writing. The patent is offered to Kodak, to Eastman Kodak, and to IBM. They are going to refuse, following the very well-known principle of not invented here. I did not invent, so it's not good. The company, whose name is Heloid Corporation, based in Rochester, New York, is always the same town as Eastman Kodak is going to buy the patent. The CEO is going to bet the future of the company on the patent, and it's going to become Xerox. It comes from ancient Greek. Xerography means dry writing, something like that. The company is going to experience a monopolistic situation during a few years, and it's going to make a lot of money. But the problem is one day the patent will expire. And what about next? Next, you will have to offer new innovative product to customers. And this is why the Palo Alto Research Center is created by Xerox in order to develop innovations. There will be up to 5,000 researchers in a kind of freedom in this very well-known institution. At that time, Xerox is generating a 60% gross margin, which is absolutely huge. A very significant part of that is going to be invested in research and development, Palo Alto Research Center. Now, they are going to develop plenty of technologies, for example, local area networks, Ethernet and so on and so forth. And they are going to develop the laser printers, which are going to more or less replace the photocopiers in their top line in the revenues of Xerox. So there will be plenty of innovations coming from the park. But Fortune magazine published an article in the 80s, which titled The Lab That Ran Away from Xerox. Xerox was a Lloyd Corporation based in Rochester, New York. They are going to move the head office from Rochester to Stamford, Connecticut, but from East Coast to East Coast. Palo Alto is in California, it's the West Coast. And there is a very important cultural misunderstanding between the East Coast and the West Coast. The communication between R&D and marketing is going to be a disaster. For the marketing experts, all these innovations are kind of gimmicks, including the very famous mouse, which was created in the park. When the marketing experts saw the mouse, they said there is absolutely no future. The arrow keys in the computer, it's much better. Now, as a consequence of the relationship between Xerox and Apple, Steve Jobs is allowed to do a kind of shopping in the park. And he's going to buy and integrate the mouse with the WIG, graphical interface, etc., etc. So these innovations created by Xerox are going to be developed in the product sold by Apple. These innovations are going to get out of the research center. But the researchers themselves are going to be quite frustrated by the process. They are going to go out and they are going to create their own startups. Among the researchers who left the park to create their own companies, there is an Indian person whose name is Pradip Sindhu. He's a very well-known scientist, very experienced one. He spent 11 years in the park and is an expert in telecommunications equipment. In 1996, he leaves the park to create a company whose name is Juniper Networks. Now he's a great scientist, but technology is not enough. You need a manager and Crosspoint Venture Partners is going to hire Scott Greens, who is going to be the CEO from 1996 to 2008. Then he will step back as a CEO, but remain chairman of the board. The person who really contributed to the fantastic development of Gene Repair Networks in the early years is Scott Cranes. Now we are in the 90s, second half of the 90s, and these are the golden years for the telecommunication equipment industry. A very well-known Canadian company, Northern Telecom, Nortel Networks, whose end is going to be absolutely terrible, is selling telecom equipment to 90% of the Fortune 500 companies. Lucent, the telecom equipment activity within AT&T, is going to be spun off in 1996 to start its life by itself. Lucent will merge with Alcatel in 2006, and Alcatel Lucent is going to be acquired by Nokia in 2016. Nokia is so well-known for the very famous terminals right, in the mobile business. Ericsson is also a very big player They are going to invent the Bluetooth technology. But in this industry, the number one is definitely Cisco. In March 2000, Cisco is going to be the largest worldwide capitalization of stock market during three months. And the value of the company at that time is $500 billion, which is absolutely outstanding 20-something years ago. The second half of the 90s is the explosion of telecommunication equipment, but it is a creation of the internet bubble, so-called internet bubble. If you look back in 95, the Nasdaq is about 600, 700. It's going to go up to 4,500 and more. In March 2000, and then it's going to dramatically go down. The Nasdaq is going to lose two-thirds of its value, back to 1,500. Today, Nasdaq is not back to 4,000 and something. Today, Nasdaq is 16,000. So the tech business is doing quite well. What about the business of Juniper Networks? Juniper is a Cisco killer. There are plenty of competitors and they all are supposed to be challengers of Cisco, the number one. And there's a technological advantage for Juniper because the software is embedded in the hardware, which is not the case of Cisco. If you want to buy the equipment at Cisco, the router, you have to buy the hardware and you have to integrate the software. It's already done by Juniper. This is a technological advantage. But Cisco has a much broader product range to offer to the customers, which is a business advantage, an outstanding business advantage. So on the one side, you have outstanding scientific performance for Juniper and very big business offer for Cisco. What's going to be absolutely outstanding in the development of Juniper is revenues. The company is created in 1996. Eight years later, in 2004, the company is generating 4 billion euros of turnover, starting from scratch eight years before. Just to give you an idea, Apple took 11 years to move from zero to $4 billion of revenues. It gives you an idea about the quality of the business development. Now in terms of market share, for the core routers, the business in which Cisco is a leader, In 2001, the market share of Juniper is 37%. So, it's very successful. Scientific performance, business performance. Now, what about stock market performance? The company is listed in 1999, exactly when the NASDAQ is skyrocketing. The stock price is showing plus 191% the first day of listing. You remember, in another vidcast, I explained what happened to Snowflake. As far as Snowflake was concerned, the stock price was multiplied by 2. The first day of listing here, it's almost multiplied by 3. During the first year of quotation, the stock price is going to be multiplied by 5. But it is a consequence of the creation of this internet bubble. Now, quite quickly, the company is reaching a revenue of 4 billion. And then it's going to stabilize. In 2017, when Nokia is potentially interested in buying Juniper networks for $16 billion, the revenues generated by the company are only $4.9 billion. You remember it was $4 billion in 2004. And both Nokia and Juniper are looking for clients, for new clients, for gross revenues. When Juniper is listed, the market capitalization is 1.7 billion dollars and the stock price is $34 per share. Now the nominal is going to be divided by 6. And today the stock market, the market capitalization of the company is 11.8 almost 12 billion dollars. And the stock price recently, because of the acquisition, moved from 30 to 37. So it looks like the same stock price, but the nominal has been divided by 6. This is why the value has been multiplied by 6. Now there is a very interesting multiple, which gives you an idea about the profitability, the performance of the company, but also the prospects for growth. Multiple is enterprise value divided by EBITDA, and it is 16 which demonstrates that the market sees some potential improvement in the situation of Juniper. It's quite interesting to confront the evolution of Juniper the last five years and the evolution of the NASDAQ. Very simply, as far as the NASDAQ is concerned, multiplied by two. Of course, there were some fluctuations. It went up dramatically. It went down. It's up again from five years ago to today, plus 200%. As far as Juniper is concerned, it's plus 27 up to the moment HPE is making an offer. And today it's plus 60%, but as a consequence of the offer, but standing alone, uh, the last five years, it shows a return of plus 27% for the shareholders. A few weeks ago, the 10th of January 2024, HPE Hewlett Packard Enterprise announces that it's going to buy Juniper Networks for an enterprise value of $14 billion. HP is going to pay $40 per share for the 320 million shares, which represents $12.8 billion. And it's going to be paid in cash, 100%, all cash transaction. Interestingly, today the market cap is 11.8. And the stock price is $37, not yet exactly $40. Maybe there is a little bit of uncertainty about the business and the evolution of the merger. If you look at the balance sheet of Juniper, the interest bearing debt, the financial debt represents gross value 1.6 billion. Net of cash, it's 0.4 billion. So to calculate the enterprise value, some people take the gross debt, some people take the net debt. At the end of the day, the enterprise value lies within a range which is $13.2, $14.4 billion. It's around $14 billion. What about HPE? Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Well, everybody on the planet knows Hewlett Packard, a Californian icon, the beginning of California, the early days with the first garage as far as innovation is concerned. Now, Hewlett Packard made some spin-offs. Including one in 2017. Now HPE is no more about printers, about PCs or whatsoever. It's about servers, networks, software, etc. The revenues today, 2023, are 29 billion dollars. It's the same as the revenues in 2017 when the company was created and spun off from HP. So it's not very much about growth. And if you look back in 2013, the equivalent of HPE at that time was generating revenues of $32 billion. So the company is stagnating. And the performance is absolutely not outstanding. The return on capital employed is 8.5%. After tax, it hardly pays the work. The WAC can be estimated at 6%, 7%, something like that. Now, if the row say, after-tax pays the WAC, there is no positive or negative performance, as this is why the price to book is 1. The market capitalization exactly matches with the book equity. No value creation, no value destruction, and no growth. As a consequence, the multiple enterprise value on EBITDA is 6. It was 16 for Juniper. But Juniper is growing, and we are going to have a look at the rose of Juniper, which is significantly higher. As far as HPE is concerned, the company is not showing any performance, and the company is not showing any growth. If we run the same benchmarking process for HPE as the one we did for Juniper, and we confront HPE last five years with the Nasdaq, Nasdaq, same story, plus 200%, what about HPE? Plus 23%. During the first two years of this period, there was a kind of parallel between the evolution of HPE and NASDAQ. In the last three years, there was a stagnation in the stock price of HPE when NASDAQ is skyrocketing. Let's go back to the financial metrics of Juniper Networks today. You remember the offered price is $40, which is a little bit more than the $37 per share which you can read today on the screen. In twenty twenty three, Juniper Networks generated revenues of five point six billion dollars. A little bit more than the equivalent in twenty twenty two, five point three billion dollars, a little bit more than the four point nine in twenty seventeen when Nokia was considering the merger. It's not an outstanding growth rate, it's smoothly growing. The operating income, the EBIT, looks a little bit better. In twenty twenty three, million. 2022, $835 million. The return on sales, operating income divided by revenues, is 17% in 2023. It was 16% in 2022. But the return on sales is not the return capital. To calculate the return capital, you need to calculate the capital employed first. Capital employed is equity plus net financial debt. The book equity is 4.5 billion in 2023. You add the net financial debt, and you get 4.9 billion dollars in 2022. The same calculation was about the same equity: 4.5 plus 0.5 billion, so 5 billion dollars of capital employed. Now you can divide the EBIT by the capital employed to get the return on capital employed, which was 19% in 2023 and 16%. In 2022. So you can observe that it's more than the cost of capital and it's a little bit growing. Let's go back to the offer which was made by HPE. Offered price $40 per share. Value market capitalization 12.8. Now, if you add the net interest bearing debt to the market cap, you get the enterprise value which is 12.8 plus 0.4, 13.2. You remember, this is a repetition of the calculation. It's interesting to confront the enterprise value and the capital employed, and then you get the market to book. Enterprise value divided by capital employed is 13.2 divided by 4.9, which is 2.7 times. It's quite close to the price to book, which was only one for HPE. Now it's 2.7 times the capital employed. You remember that the return capital employed was 19% in 2023. And I said that it exceeds the WAC. Let's calculate the WAC. To calculate the WAC, you need the cost of equity capital, which is expected by shareholders. And then, in order to apply the capital asset pricing model, you need a beta. The beta is supposedly close to 1, 094 The long-term bond rate is 3.8%, 10-year government bond rate, so 3.8 plus 0.94 multiplied by the equity market risk premium in the United States about 6%, you get to a cost of equity capital of 9.4%. Debt is much, much, much lower than the market capitalization, so it's not going to contribute very much to the calculation of the work. As an approximation, let's consider that the weighted average cost of capital matches with the cost of equity capital, with 9.4%. In the previous calculation, I said that the market-to-book which was offered by HPE was 2.7. Now we are going to confront this actual market-to-book with a calculated market-to-book. We can calculate a theoretical market-to-book, taking into consideration the economic profit, so the confrontation between Rosé after tax and the walk and introducing growth in the calculation, the mathematical formula says that the market to book calculated is numerator, Rosé after tax, less growth. Denominator, walk, less growth. We know that the Rosé is 19%. To calculate the Rosé after tax, we need to calculate the apparent tax rate, which is about 10%. So the ROCE after tax is 19 minus tax, which is about 17%. The market-to-book, assuming that there is no growth, is ROCE after tax divided by the WAC. It is 17% divided by 9.4%, percent one8 So, and the market-to-book offered by HPE is 2.7, and the market-to-book without any growth is 1.8, there is some growth in the calculation which is made by HPE the day they offer $40 per share for Juniper. In fact, starting from the same formula, you can calculate the implicit growth rate and you get to something which is about 5%. You remember, the actual growth was 6% as far as revenues were concerned, 2023 against 2022. So basically, HPE is paying the current growth and the current rose. What is in the hope and the strategy of HP that the merger is going to create growth? HP is stagnating. Juniper is smoothly growing. Is the merger between these two companies going to create growth opportunities? What about performance? Juniper is performing. Juniper's economic profit is significantly positive. What about HP? nil. No performance, no profit, no loss compared with the WAC. So the question is, is the merger going to create growth opportunities? Is it going to contribute to performance? Basically, the answer which is provided today by Wall Street, by the capital market, is that Hewlett Packers' interest in Juniper is not connecting with Wall Street. So Wall Street, the capital markets, Do not trust that this merger is going to create a lot of value. What will happen? We'll see. Thank you very much.